Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to HR Work Break. I'm your host, Maddie Collins, editor of HR Daily Advisor. HR Work Break takes a quick but close look at everything human resources. For any HR professional, it's a must listen. I hope you learned something new, take some advice to heart, or simply stay abreast today's trending topics. Now, it's time for a work break. Happy Friday and welcome to HR Work Break. Today I'm joined by Erica Keswin, a workplace strategist, keynote speaker, and best-selling author of books including Bring Your Human to Work, Rituals Roadmap, and her newest, The Retention Revolution. Erica, thank you for joining me today. So great to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited for this conversation. So recently, the U.S. Surgeon General deemed loneliness and isolation an epidemic, and over half of Americans reported experiencing measurable levels of loneliness. Why do you think today's workforce struggles with this? So I think we saw a huge uptick after the pandemic, but the numbers had already been going in that direction. I think much of it related to the increased use of technology, where you know we feel like we have so many friends and connections because we connect with them virtually online or on social media, and we really are having less and less of that in real life connection. And so what I've seen since the pandemic is that many people aren't leaving their house. And sometimes it's because there's hybrid work. I'm a big fan of hybrid work. I love this new workplace flexibility. But I also know that it doesn't take that long to, to get into new habits. And that's what we saw. Um, I'm actually working on an article right now about sort of the human case for leaving the house. That when we leave the house and connect, not only do we get more steps, but we bump into people. And when we connect with others, there is a physiological response in our bodies. Our oxytocin goes up, which is our feel-good hormone, and our stress goes down. One of the things I often say, and it's cheesy, but left to our own devices, you know, excusing the pun, we're not connecting. And I would say even and especially now. And what we need to do is to be intentional. Yeah. So what does that look like in the workplace environment, especially in a world where a lot of people are either remote or hybrid? So when I think about, I mean, flexibility is such an emotional topic, hot topic these days. I have, I have a chapter in the book that talks about how do we ace flexibility? And I talk about ACE. First is agency. How do we give everybody a little bit of agency or autonomy over their lives in terms of flexibility? The second, the C, is designing or curating connection, which I'll talk about more. And the third is equity, that in terms of flexibility, not all jobs are going to be equal in terms of the same amount of flexibility, but we do need to think about everyone because I think where there's a will, there's a way. We've seen that during the pandemic. But the designing for connection piece is really important. And when people ask me my opinion, what's the perfect number of days to come in? There really isn't one because it depends on your industry. It depends on the role. It depends on, you know, geographically, if people are spread out all over the country, clearly they're not coming in three days a week. Yeah. (laughs) But across all of those options, those designs, the common theme is that we can design for connection. And what that looks like is, well, here's what it doesn't look like. Let's say I live in New York City and let's say my organization, they say, okay, come in two days a week, but come in any two days. And I show up and there's only three people there from my team and I'm doing the exact same kind of work I could be doing from home. And I've just commuted 90 minutes. So that is what I call the recipe for resentment. And that is what you don't want. So what you want to figure out is whatever that cadence when your team or department or organization gets together 
that you want to come together for a purpose. It could be just to have lunch. It could be to innovate. It could be to look at things on the whiteboard. It could be to volunteer together, but you don't want people to commute in and get together and have everybody be alone together on their computers in, you know, on Zoom all day. And so that's what designing for connections about. It can come from the top. It can come from the bottom. I, I tell people, you know, get together with your team and come up with strategies together for what this might look like and be open to feedback because we may not get it right the first time. So that's the worst case scenario. The good case scenario, we go into the office on Wednesdays. So my boss rearranged our weekly meeting so that he's meeting with whoever's in the office in person. Right. Exactly. It feels productive. Like, yeah, we're always going to be collaborating, but now we're in-person collaborating. So if the meeting ends, we can still talk and chit chat or like pick up on stuff as the day wears on too. Right. I was at an office recently and they announced starting in October that they were coming back two days, but they didn't say what days they were. And it's a beautiful office. And I said to them, I was like, look, this may not make me the most popular person. I said, but I'm going to be honest. You know, what worries me about saying pick two days, any days is that there's never a critical mass. The office never feel, it's always going to feel empty and kind of have that feeling. I think it's going to feel more like a box check than, uh, ooh, everybody from my team is going to be there on Wednesday and my boss is going to be there and I can have my one-on-one. And I had written an article for HBR a while ago now, which I feel like I almost need to bring back in this moment. And it was called On-Sites Are the New Off-Sites. Because we used to plan this in a very intentional way for off-sites, but now we need to do it on the days we come into the office. And we don't have to plan it all day, every day. To your point, you may have a meeting, but then you're around for sort of the extraneous chit-chat. Yeah. And like, even if it takes being able to plan like a group lunch at work that gets the socialization, that communication and that connection in there too. Yeah, exactly. The American Psychology Association found that depression alone cost the U.S. economy an estimated $200 billion in lost employee productivity per year. So what can employers do to support employee mental health beyond that aspect of flexibility and trying to establish the human connection? You know, many organizations are looking at all kinds of different things that they can do on the benefit side, whether that's offering life coaching, whether it's better up or modern health. I mean, there's a list of these kinds of products now where they're interesting. I mean, you go online and you can do sort of a self-assessment and then they using AI and they'll say, look, you have an option for 10 sessions with a therapist or with a life coach, or maybe you just need a meditation app. It's sort of, here's the range of ways that we feel like we can support your mental health. Not every company can afford that, but that is an option for some that do. I will also say though, you know, 80% of people leave their companies because of their manager. Another stat that I saw recently was that some crazy high number, I'm not remembering the exact number, but- I've seen the stat too, and I can't remember it either, but it was high. Say, say that your boss has a bigger impact on your mental health than your spouse or your partner. So that is huge. So an area where I would focus is, you know, let's put some resources into elevating and training and upskilling these managers. And sometimes, again, it's as easy. I mean, that's none of it's rocket science, but it goes back to intentionality. So during the pandemic, leaders were really checking in with their teams. Some of them, it was in their human nature. Others, they didn't really have a choice because we were in each other's living rooms in a way that we probably weren't before. But the leaders that I interviewed during that time and you know did surveys, 
their employee engagement, employee satisfaction went up during a very, very stressful time in people's lives and the world. And part of that was that these leaders were more human. And so what I say to people now is, I mean, I would not want to go back for all the money in the world to March of 2020, but I also don't want to forget all of what I saw and how I felt. You know, if you are a leader or a manager and you're listening to this today, and even if one person reports to you, the ability to stop and say, how are you really, really doing? And actually pause and wait for the answer. I think that when we think about things that we can do literally tomorrow or, you know, the minute somebody listens to this podcast, that is something that all of us can do if we're willing. Definitely. And I feel like the soft skills that come with that sort of leadership beyond that, like being an individual initiative and thing you have to learn and develop. There's also this broader company culture that also needs to have the space for people to feel safe enough to go to their boss and be like, hey, I'm going to be lagging right now because I'm going through something or something like that. Yeah. And you want to have the psychological safety, to to be honest. One of the things I talk about in my rituals book, but also in this new book is, again, this checking in. And there's a company in the book that shares that they have a checking in ritual called Pick Your Nick, where everybody goes around and the beginning of the meeting, there's these nine images of Nicolas Cage kind of showing him in nine different movies with one word. So one word says stressed, one says happy, one says meh. One says bees, which I'm not sure what that means. (laughs) But let's say you're doing some kind of a check-in with your team. And every week that you do it, every single person's like, great, fine, couldn't be better. You kind of know they're lying. And they probably, you probably haven't created a culture where people feel that they can be honest about what's going on, which ends up hurting your business. And, you know, my work, all three of my books focus both on why doing these things are both good for people and good for business and why they're not mutually exclusive. So if I'm really stressed and I had a really horrible day, but I don't feel comfortable sharing that with you and I'm trying to hide it and we have a deliverable and then something happens, like you'd rather have somebody else working on it. Yeah. So that's why these skills are important for your bottom line. Definitely. And I feel like that mentality of like leaving your like personal life at the door completely went out the window during COVID-19. Like you said, we're in everyone's living room. Like if my cat jumped on the back of my chair, you'd see her in an instant. And like, I can see all the beautiful greenery behind you. Every little bit of you kind of seeps in and it's not realistic to not understand that things will influence each other. 100%. Going back to that company culture and the concept of psychological safety, beyond leaders doing check-ins routinely to see how their employees are doing, whether it's a just an honest sit-down conversation or how are you feeling on a scale of one to nine in the Nick Cage reactions, what else can leaders do to build a company culture that prioritizes that human connection, especially in a sort of digital world? So I like to talk about the importance of bringing your company values to life. I think the days are over especially with Gen Z really demanding this on the way into a company, they really don't want to be anywhere where people don't feel connected to a greater mission, a greater purpose. And it's important to, this is so cheesy, but get those values off the walls, into the halls. They can't just be on this little plaque saying, ooh, this is what our company cares for. So what I try to do in my work with leaders is to help them create a roadmap to say, 
here are ways to be intentional around how you create that connection and that trust with employees around and across the employee experience from onboarding to meetings to having conversations about personal and professional development. Maybe I'm in sales, but I really want to be in marketing. And if I don't feel comfortable sharing that with you because I'm so good at sales that I know you're never going to let me dip my toes somewhere else, I'm going to end up leaving the company altogether. You know, it's thinking about what does our company stand for? What do I stand for as a leader? And how can I show that and bring that to life for my employees? You know, again, not rocket science, but not so easy either. And it does take time. And I think the last piece is for managers, if you're a manager, you're listening to this, you may not feel like this is fully in your control. But if you want to get to this point, one of the things I think about a lot from a top-down perspective is leaders need to be given not only the skills to manage well, but they need to be given the time. So if you have a pie chart and you're a manager of everything that you need to do, and you're still doing 100% of your day job and they say, poof, now you're a manager, it's not going to go that well. And so I'm really urging companies to look at that makeup of these managers' job and elevate the role and make sure that they are time to, to actually do it. Definitely. And like, just speaking from experience, making sure that your managers have time to do things is also an opportunity for your employees to learn things. So like, my boss, he's more of like a content manager now. But before that, he did a lot more of the strategy. So now that he's managing more content, I've been learning strategy, and I've been learning how to time things and learn things. So like, both parties in this situation are benefiting from it. And he has more time to be a mentor to me, essentially. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And so within the realm of like mental health and company culture and just that human element, are there any buzzwords in those spheres that have been in the news or at the front of your mind? I guess the mantra that I think about the most these days is curate connection. And this idea of left to our own devices, because left to our own devices, we are not connecting. And in a hybrid world where people are lonely, are isolated, and we need to sometimes, you know, pull them, you know, literally or figuratively out of the house to have them get dressed and go to an office once in a while, it's not going to happen on its own. That's what I think about the most. And kind of just thinking about the like pulling people out into space as we get farther into the fall, we're going to have people struggling with seasonal depression and all the joys and stress that come with the holidays. Do you have any advice for keeping remote workers engaged in this sort of like slowdown of work, but also speed up of social life? You know, and it's interesting, dependable, it'll be interesting to see how companies are thinking about all of this in the holiday season, whether this finally becomes the year where they do have the holiday parties and everybody's back. I even feel like even a year ago, there was still post-ish COVID and variants, and then it's cold and the flu season. So I think it will be interesting just strategically what companies do. The thing that's on my mind a lot, though, recently, as it relates to all the psychological safety and depression and connection overall, and what's going on in the world, um, you know, we're in the middle of a war right now. So what I have been thinking about is, as people get together and might agree on certain things and don't agree on certain things, how is that all going to play out when we begin to see each other and are in person more potentially at these holiday events? And I've been thinking about it because we know, you know, Thanksgiving's around the corner and there's some crazy high number of people that would rather go to the dentist supposedly than sit at a Thanksgiving table. 
So what I would urge people to think about is, you know, how do we create, just like we would create at work, this sense of psychological safety. I just read a book recently, it's called How to Build a Brave Space. You know, how do we sort of not connect on issues, maybe politically, but how do we connect with each other as humans? is something that I am starting to think about. And, you know, it's very challenging right now in a lot of companies, just because for a long time, and especially now, work and home are completely integrated. Like you rarely are saying, okay, this is my home self, this is my work self. And so I think with the holidays, to your point, comes a lot of issues. And I think we're going to see it this year more than in the past. That seems like good advice just to apply the, on a base level, same human decency you'd show people at work also <laughs> in the home to your own family members. Well, yeah, that and, you know, you have you people sometimes at work have Friendsgiving or you have a holiday party or, and sometimes at a holiday party, you might, or at a lunch, you might let your guard down and get into topics that are not just about the next presentation you're doing. So it really is looking at it in, in both ways. Definitely. So my final way to wrap up the show since it airs on a Friday is to ask you what you're looking forward to this weekend. I am looking forward to just going on a lot of walks and really relaxing. I've been on this book tour pretty much straight since September. And I just, you mentioned the greenery, my background, I flew to Florida last night. So I'm going to be here for a bit. And I, you know, a lot of this crazy travel is is behind me. And so now I'm, I'm looking forward to just a little bit of blank space. Yeah. Is Florida where your home is? Yeah, we're just moving to Florida. Oh, gotcha. Oh, that's so exciting. Well, I hope, you know, the lull that comes after an entire book tour, minus the stress of moving. (laughs) I hope you're able to find a nice cozy spot and just kind of chill. Well, thank you. And uh, it was really great to meet you. Yeah, Erica, it was great to meet you too. And thank you again for talking with me today. Again, I'm Maddie Collins, and thank you for listening. Join us next Friday or whenever you need a work break.